Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. While Christians who read their Bibles know that the writings of the Apostle Paul take up a large portion of the New Testament. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8, the Apostle Paul says, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. These are the words of a man who is consumed with learning more about the Lord Jesus Christ. And isn't it true that as sinners who have been forgiven by God, we also have a desire to know our wonderful Savior more and more. And by this I don't mean learning facts about Him, but knowing Him more closely, more intimately. This gives us joy in our lives and power to live for Him in a world that has no love for Him. Well, let's join Mr. Norman Crawford as he brings to us the topic of knowing Christ and living for Him in an unbelieving world. Philippians 3 and 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God, by faith. Please notice these next words, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now look down with me, if you will, please, in verse 17. Brethren, be followers of together of me and mark them which walk as you have us for an ensample. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things, for our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change the body of our humiliation. The expression, our vile body, hardly is suitable. Uh, not very many times that happens in our King James Version, but it does here. Uh, that who shall change the body of our humiliation, that it may be fashioned like unto his body of glory, or the body of his glory, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. I'm deeply impressed by the devotion of this dear man, Paul. I know that he would have us follow him in that he followed Christ. So I see in him that blessed reality that was found in his Lord. I am impressed with the words, I count all things but loss for the excellency. What beautiful language. The excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. 
If you were to go through this Philippian letter, this is what you'd find, as you likely know, that in chapter 1 you have Paul's desire to live Christ. In chapter 2 you have Paul's doctrine to exalt Christ. Here in chapter 3 you have Paul's devotion to know Christ. When you get to chapter 4 you have Paul's dependence on the power of Christ. What lessons those are for us today. Is there anyone here that doesn't want to behold the beauty of the Lord? I don't think it would be possible to be a believer. To ever have come to the cross. To ever have trusted Christ and his precious blood to cleanse us from all our sins. I don't think it would be possible to have that experience. And not long to know him. Now, I think maybe you know this, but uh, there are six expressions like this in our Bible. The knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. There are six of them. The first one is Joshua at Jericho, my Lord. The second one is David in that wonderful Psalm 110, perhaps the most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament, my Lord. You remember Elizabeth and when Mary came to her and she said, how is it that the mother of my Lord cometh unto me? Can I suggest something to you at that point? That though still a babe in the womb, the Lord Jesus was Elizabeth's Lord. Does that sound like a collection of cells, a mere embryo, or is that the Lord himself? The Lord himself was in the womb of an earthly mother. Amazing. Of course, you'll know that Mary of Magdala at the grave said they have taken away my Lord. And I think one of the most outstanding passages in connection with this fact is John 20, where Thomas said, except I shall see in his hand the print of the nails, thrust my finger into the print of the nail, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Why do we call him Doubting Thomas? He didn't say he was doubting, he said, I will not believe. And the Lord came and stood in the midst. I don't use my imagination very much, but maybe there is such a thing as visualizing Truth as it is given to us in our Bible and our New Testament. I visualize this. I see the Lord Jesus standing there in the midst of the disciples, fixing his eyes on Thomas and saying to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hand. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And be not unbelieving, but believing. Oh, listen, dear believer. My Lord, my Lord, my God. Of course, You'll understand that the Apostle Paul is using this very language. I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. I am going to be brief, but let me go through these words with you if I can in a very simple way. I want you to think of the ledger of a life laid down. I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. In comparison to knowing him, what else matters? What else has meaning? What else has weight? I count all things but loss. All things but loss. I want you to think of the longings of a heart laid bare, that I may know him. The longings of a heart laid bare. That longing desire to know him. I am very impressed with the words of the Lord Jesus in Matthew 11 and 29. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. Now, does that mean to learn about him? Or does that mean to learn from him? I'm going to suggest to you very strongly that it means to learn 
of him. His beauties, his glories, his majesty, his royalty, but all his love, his grace, his compassion, his meekness, his gentleness. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. I went to God, I could learn more of it. You've heard this many times, it seems the more I know him and all his ways explore, it only sets me longing to know him more and more. It's impossible, dear Christian, to know him and not long to be like him. I often say this, but uh, there are people that I have met in this world and it didn't give me any desire to be like them. I wouldn't have wanted to copy their pattern of life. But it's impossible to know the Lord Jesus. And the more we know him, the better we know him. The more we'll long to be like him, and more likeness to him will be manifest in us. So you have the lessons from a past laid aside, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth into those things which are before. Living not for time, but for eternity. And then finally, the legacy of a hope laid up. Look for the Savior. What a blessed prospect. The Lord Jesus Christ. How careful Paul is in using the names of the Lord Jesus. What a lesson in that there is for us. How careful we should be in giving honor, in giving reverence, giving respect to that blessed name that the world drags into the mire. Now, I'm going to say four things, and it won't take me very long. I have been thinking about this very much. I have four things to leave with you. They're very plain things. It has to do with a true estimate of this world and what it is really like. So, dear believer, do we expect the world to love us? Don't. Marvel not if the world hate you, the Lord Jesus said. It hated me before it hated you. Does the world still hate him? There are three areas that we are bombarded from every day of our lives. The news media, the legal systems, the educational systems. Now, that doesn't mean all of that is evil. The majority of it is. There is tremendous opposition to God and his Son. Tremendous opposition to Christ and those who love him. Don't expect it to be different, dear Christian. It won't be. So what is happening is that we are to live by faith in a world of unbelief. That's my number one point. To live by faith in a world of unbelief. We are told to live righteously in a world of lawlessness. We are told to live in submission to Christ as Lord in a world of rebellion where anarchy seems to be dominant. And we are given the great privilege of living in a well-ordered, godly home in a world where there is chaos. I don't need to tell you this, hardly do I, that there is a tremendous effort by Satan to destroy Christian testimony. You'll have difficulty maybe following me now for a moment, but uh, this is something that I'm staggered at. And so I've tried to investigate it to the best of my ability. There are more martyrs today than there were in the first century. Surprising to me when one particular case is played up by the media as if it were an isolated case. Not isolated. There is tremendous opposition to God, to his son, to his word. 
Can I give you some examples? The Da Vinci Code. I'm glad that bookstores are putting the book in with the fiction volumes because it is fiction. It is poison. I'm not even going to tell you what it involves because it would be blasphemy to even repeat some of the things that the Da Vinci Code is promoting. And of course, they claim ancient authorities. They claim in the French National Library they found ancient records that disprove almost everything we have in our New Testament and deny to the Lord Jesus his deity, his lordship, his purity even, his holiness. Dear Christian, we belong to a Lord that this world hates. That's strong language, isn't it? The world hated me, he said. The world hated me. Actually, the Da Vinci Code claims that there is a priory of Zion, it's called, and that's the source of their information. Supposed to be some very ancient documents. You know what it really was? In 1956, a man by the name of Pierre Plantard, who was a former prisoner for criminal activity, wrote a document that he had placed in the French National Library and pretended that it was some ancient document that disproved almost everything in our New Testament. The man was a criminal. In fact, when he was dying, and, and this comes, uh, th this name will be known by some here. Lee Strobel has looked into it very carefully. He spent 30 years of his life researching criminal activity. And Lee Strobel says that when Pierre Plantard was dying, he confessed the whole thing was fiction. It was made up. Would you believe this? A large percentage of people in North America believe what is in the Da Vinci Code. Dear Christian, we are asked to live a life of faith in a world of unbelief. Do you believe that? I wonder, is it a, a valuable thing to give believers confirmation of their faith? I don't hear that very much, and I don't do it very much. But oh, do we have real confirmation of our faith? Is it right to seek confirmation of our faith? Is it right? I've been very impressed with this. In the book of Isaiah, seven times in Isaiah, the Lord himself proves that what he says is true. How? Because what he says comes to pass. Because what he says is all fulfilled. What the Lord Jesus said in the Gospel of John, the scriptures cannot be broken. You know, Dr. Peter Stoner of Princeton University once said, if there was one prediction written eight centuries before the event happened, and it happened just exactly according to the prediction, that would be a miracle. If there are ten such descriptions of what would happen seven, eight centuries in the future, that's unexplainable. If there are 333 of them, it can only be God. Do you believe your Bible? You have every reason to believe it. Every reason to believe it. Think of the types. Think of the wonder of those details, of the glories of Christ and his work on Calvary. How amazing that we have such a Bible, written centuries before the events. Do you know what's going to happen tomorrow? Not really. We think we do. But this is God's word. We need confirmation of our faith today because we are called to live a life of faith in a world that is rank 
with unbelief. I think young Christians need help on this line. I have all kinds of young people coming and asking about evolution. No wonder they ask about evolution. It is taught as fact to our little boys and girls as early as grade three and four in school. And it is fiction. And it is not even logical fiction. Amazing that men could believe such a fairy tale except for the fact that they begin with a premise. This is what they charge Christians with. You Christians start with a premise. You have a presupposition. What is their, what is their presupposition? No God. And when you dismiss God from his creation, it's no wonder you can invent fairy tales. Dear Christian, we have every reason to stand firm in our faith. We have every reason to believe this book is the living word of the living God. Thank God for it. You know, I can say this very simply because it means much to me. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do you get faith? You work it up? You think it out? No, it's given to you. It's given to you from God's word. Do you have doubts? Read your Bible and read it reverently. Even read it on your knees and let God speak to you from it. We are called to live righteously in a world of lawlessness. All I want to say is that the darker the night, the brighter is the light even of a little candle. I, I'm often ashamed. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm often ashamed. We have neighbors around us. Do they know about our Savior? I have gone around and knocked on the doors of my neighbors because I was ashamed that I hadn't done it before. Let us not be afraid to stand as witnesses in this godless world. Our little light may be feeble, but oh, the darkness is so deep. Let your light so shine before men that they may behold your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Even though Christians share this world with those who don't know Christ, we are able to grow in our faith through our knowledge of God's Word and to share what we have learned about the Lord Jesus Christ with others. It's a tremendous privilege, and yet it's a solemn responsibility to do so. Are you a Christian? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Are you growing in your faith and witnessing to the lost all around you? We hope that today's message has encouraged you to do just that. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and the very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. 
And in times like these, you need an anchor.